It's the Holy Hour Podcast, the All Cure Bioweekly Podcast. I'm Gavin. Thanks so much for joining us again. I hope uh, everyone's doing good out there and staying cool. We got a wonderful episode ahead for you guys. I'm real excited to welcome to the show Antonio from the Fascination Street Podcast, the only known All Cure Podcast, the only other known All Cure Podcast besides us, as far as I know. I think there actually are some other ones. Somebody said... uh, it's a totally non-English speaking podcast, but uh, so maybe one day we'll cross over with them too. But uh, as of now, I think uh, Antonio's the only other one out there, so it only made sense to join forces. He was kind enough to have me on their show um, back in, oh, when was that now? I don't know, episode six though. Um, I was on his show and uh, talked about the top and origin stories and top five songs and and even mentioned my favorite live album which is Entreat. So we figured it'd be funny and cool to do a little spin back around to our show when he's on the guest and we're just going to talk all about Entreat with Antonio and Chaz and um, it was great just to have him on the show and um, since then uh, there's even been more crossover. Chaz was also on Fascination Street where they talked about the head on the door uh, episode 8, I believe it is. So go check out both those episodes along with all the other Fascination Street episodes after this one, of course. And um, and if that isn't enough, uh, Chaz has started up his own podcast recently, uh, the Excommunication Station. And during our talks here, uh, they came to find that, that Antonio had a lot to could relate to about growing up in the church. So... Um, Chaz had him on on a second episode of his new podcast, Excommunication Station, and that episode just came out uh, last week, I believe, or this week, so uh, go go check that out, too. So lots to listen to with Antonio and us and Chaz all crossing over this, this way and that way. So, um, so yeah, this is a great t- conversation we had talking about and treat coming up. I do have to apologize on the top that the audio got a little bit rough. Um, it's just blows my mind at this point when I can't figure out why I'm still where it went wrong. It must've been a loose cable or something. Uh, we even tried to shift gears halfway through it and I tried a digital, uh, Wi-Fi call instead of doing it over the phone lines. And, uh, helps a little bit so it does get better as it goes but a big apology to Antonio um I really really wanted to get this uh locked down that's kind of why it took so long since recording it to get it out I kept fumbling with it messing with it I was confident that I could save it in the mix and uh and I I think I got it you know it's listenable but I do gotta apologize it's a little bit rough on his end and um yeah but uh don't let that ruin it once you get into the groove with it I think you'll be fine and um Lots of wonderful things he had to say, so we don't want to miss out on that. But I do apologize, and we'll have him back on here soon uh, for more talk, because we love talking to this guy. All right, so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, We're going to talk some entreat. Before we dive in real quick, though, I do got to give a shout-out to our Patreon crew, our sponsors, a.k.a. the Patreon crew, Donna, Craig, Jeff Hilton, and Matt, and Jeff Jones, Suzanne, John, and our newest subscriber, Ben. 
So we welcome Ben to the Patreon crew. Over at Patreon, you get access to uh, little mini episodes, holy half hours. They're averaging about once a month, but you get little rambly thoughts there for a little bonus content. One of the other perks that you get for uh, for signing up for the Patreon is you get to make some shout-outs. So we got some shout-outs in particular from Lisa at Dickens YYC. is a bar up in Calgary, Canada. And uh, they do cool live streams Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Friday nights um, where they DJ cool music that we're all into. Everything from Depeche Mode to Erasure. There's been lots of good ones lately. And uh, then you get to just have your own little dance party at home there. So the Tuesdays and Wednesday ones are at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And the Friday ones are at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check those out. Dickens YYC on Twitch. You can also follow Dickens YYC on uh, Instagram to keep an ear and eye out for the next and upcoming live streams. And, of course, our buddy Scott Kruger, who we're going to have on an episode that we already pre-recorded coming up soon where we had a great conversation about bootlegs. Scott is um, one of the co-hosts of the Sarlacc Digest, uh, awesome Star Wars podcast that you need to check out. They're on Monday nights live at 8 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube. So you go check that out and you can uh, chime in. With your Star Wars thoughts and concerns, they cover it all. Whatever level Star Wars fan you are, they'll uh, entertain and inform. Uh, right now, they're they're doing all the episodes of the Bad Batch, the uh, newest animated series on Disney Plus, and uh, they give you all the nitty gritty, all the little details that you missed. They'll make it ten times cooler. So go check out the Sarlacc Digest on YouTube, as well as all your regular. Uh, podcast platforms. Kate runs CureThreads.com, and if you are a Cure fan on any level, you'll love what you can find over there. Her original artwork decorates everything from shirts to flip-flops and beach towels and water bottles, some of which even inspired by Robert Smith's own fashion sense. So you'll recognize some of the patterns that she's recreated over there. And, uh, of course, you want to check out her books over there, too, that she has for sale. She has some wonderful children's books that she's illustrated. The most recent one is The Secret Life of the Sloth, and it's a lovely book. I can't recommend it enough, and I um, think you should check it out. If, you, if, if you're not a fan of sloths, you might like the skunk, the red fox, or the osprey books as well. So go on over to CureThreads.com and check all that stuff out. It's fun to browse. Thanks again to all you Patreon patrons over there. And please check out patreon.com slash the Holy Hour podcast if you're interested in joining the party. All right, let's get on with the episode now. See what Chaz and Antonio have to say about Entreat. Arguably, Akira's greatest live album, an exclusive, a uh, fan favorite a controversial one maybe too if you're a vinyl collector let's see what all that means here on the holy hour say hello and welcome to the holy hour podcast it's the bi-weekly all cure podcast i'm gavin and i'm joined by Chaz. we have a very special guest for you this evening Hello, Antonio from the Fascination Street Podcast. Welcome, man. 
How we're doing good. We're joining doing forces. Right. I feel like we should be having a street fight right now or something. Uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, like a Michael Jackson video. Like they're gonna, you're gonna tie both of us together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cure off. But nah, I think of it more as uh, some some Justice League Avengers kind of shit here. This is like a joining yeah, of cure know. forces to uh, <laughs> <laughs> all of the great Friends cure podcasts. Yeah, we're all coming together, all all two of us. <laughs> I really feel yeah, like there should be about fifteen cure podcasts out there. I don't know why we're the only ones, but uh, <laughs> yeah, now, now, there's, now there's only two of us that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Music podcasts are are a, like a like a rare thing. It's a, it's a weird thing that hasn't. I mean, there's a lot more hardcore and punk ones coming up, but still, it's like it's like kind of like an untapped market like, of the podcast world. So specific band ones. Yeah, like yeah, just specific band ones. I mean, there there's a few here and there. My friend Greg has one about. Husker Du and and the replacements, but other than that, like awesome, uh, yeah. And then yeah. you got the Echo and the Bunnymen podcast, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. And then you got like Toby from H2O, the One Life One Chance podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're out there, but it's not it's not like a true crime kind of thing where they're yeah. everywhere. Well, awesome, <laughs> man. Um. I definitely appreciate taking the time and talking with us. This will be fun. I was uh, recently on your show there, and uh, we got talking about live albums and such, and uh, figured it'd be a good tie-in to have you over here, and we could talk about and treat since we're trying to also show these live albums some love this year in the year of no live cure. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, oh, man, yeah. Th- thanks, thanks so much for coming on. You got quite the. Uh, musical resume outside of uh podcasting even we got singer songwriter um original vocalist of taking back sunday um current yeah. current band ordinary <laughs> life was it yeah yeah i mean it really like technically my solo stuff i just uh i decided to just give it a name and kind of separate just my individual name yeah even, even though it's like i don't have a super common name believe it or not there's like an Italian top singer named Antonio Longo and an Italian character. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be careful because you Google and you'll get like pictures of Taking Back Sunday, you'll get breast implants, and then, you know, nice. you'll get like 28 minutes. No, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had in your uh, resume that you're also a um, late 18th century priest and painter that somehow... Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. I was like... I'm, I'm super talented. I'm also, you know, uh, I'm also maternal. Yeah, I was that. like, damn. It's like, that's some goth shit there, man. Like, full-on vampire or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, so we'll start at the beginning there. Then, where does the uh, cure fit into all this with you? Well, I guess growing up, I always loved the music. Um, you know, whatever I could get my hands on or listen to. You know, a lot of it was radio. And I guess when I was growing up in Long Island, um, you know, you had K Rock was still playing like rock and alternative music. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're talking still a little bit. A little bit before the whole grunge movement, so you know, it was, um, the radio was my best way to listen to music because 
I was a little bit like shoved in a box when it came to music because my mom was super religious. Okay. So had to. <laughs> I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was in Christian school growing up. Um, you know, like to the point where I got in trouble in school. Um, when I got to school Monday after opening weekend of when the crow came out and I got, that was over heard by a teacher and he was talking about the movie and I got in trouble. He said, like, oh, the only person that can come back from the dead is Jesus. And I'm like, it was just a movie. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it, you know, it's over. Uh, like, uh, I was off the so, Oh man. I have a feeling, I have a feeling I'm going to have to have you on my, my, my other podcast that I'm working on. Because uh, we're we're talking, yeah, we talk we talk we're going to be talking about like religious trauma, and growing up in in the church and the effects it had on you. So like you're telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, yep, yeah, I got in trouble for going to see uh, my sister got in trouble for going to see Forrest Gump in oh, like '94 <laughs> because it was PG-13 and like so that that kind of tells you what kind of like. Like the most inoffensive movie ever. Um, Oh, wow. So I heard music and I was like, well, what's going on here? You can listen to the Beatles and Bob Dylan, but mm-hmm. said, you know what? I want to listen to Guns N' Roses, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's like I kind of had to, you know, I was hiding cassettes in other cases and. You know, uh, yeah. you know, sitting there with my with my little radio and the and a cassette and headphones. So when I'm waiting for someone to come up, right? Like I I remember just like sitting there like waiting. Um, and making mixtapes like little actual mixtapes. You know, not playlists, not friends, TV. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, you know, I think my first first time ever. Hearing the cure probably was also from MTV because we also had one of those illegal cable boxes, you know. So it's like I, I'd wait till my mom would be asleep and, and just yeah, and, and John on, on MTV because then they were, you know, 120 minutes and like, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah. And, you know, I remember seeing first time that day, it's probably the Just Like Heaven video. And I heard the cure before, but now I'm like seeing them, and now it's like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, these guys just look like regular dudes. Like, they're, you know, like with big hair and baggy clothes, and, and <laughs> you know, they just don't give a shit. Like, they're not rock stars, and they're also not glam down metal wise. Like, it's a different kind of glam, I guess, with that. Yeah. They're definitely always drawn to the, to, you know, the, the catchy choruses and poppy aspect of music, even though I liked, you know, I liked what was going on, like, you know, Bobby Crew and Guns N' Roses and stuff like that, you know, and mm-hmm. I was listening to, like, a lot of, like, Christian metal bands, and I was a lot listening to, like, Striper, you know, and all kinds of things like that, so. Let's list them all. All right, let me go to I, I tried to block a lot of them out. I still have lots of Striper and not even a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, I still have my The Hell of the Devil t-shirt, and if I put it on now, it doesn't even go past, like, my mid-section. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I still... Uh, but it only fans account, and I'll be good. <laughs> I... I, st- I still fuck with the uh, bri- uh, Bride Snakes in the Playground album. 
I think that's like one of the best metal albums of like the Christian genre. So, but yeah. I was talking about Tourniquet. You remember Tourniquet? Oh yeah, yeah, I know Tourniquet. Yeah, yeah, Gavin knows Tourniquet Real too. Heavy stuff like Petra and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all that stuff. But... Yeah. <laughs> Gavin, go away. We need to talk about this. Yeah, don't mind yeah. me. <laughs> Gavin, let's tell you about my Bible. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's go. That's awesome. So I mean, here's the first time I read an author. This is amazing. And then, you know, as time went on, um, you know, I got involved in a while in, like, punk rock and hardcore scene, you know, probably around, like, 15, 16. Uh, the high school that I went to when I finally got out of Christian school, the town I was from Lindenhurst, was, like, you know, kind of like the, the breeding ground for a lot of, for, like, a lot of bands were coming out of my town. And, and now I kind of shifted away from listening to the radio, and that seems local, you know, local music. I mm-hmm. remember the nasty you could see people wearing Georgie shirts, you know. Uh, right. So it was it was interesting because it still kind of crossed over there. And then when I was 17, uh, there was a band called Garrett that I loved. Female singer, kind of pump rock, but kind of poppy. Like had like a kind of, you know, British influence to it, you know, because Melanie, the lead singer, she was like, she went to the Smiths and she was into the Cure and she was into like, King Puppy and Bauhaus, and, right. you know, as well as, you know, punk rock and hardcore. So it, it, it was a very, like, genre mixed group that she had this beautiful voice. And they, I went to go see them play at like, a vocal bar, and they needed uh, a bass player. They said their bass player was leaving here for the last show. So I felt from that side, now I had started playing guitar probably like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. My mom taught me like a few chords, and I kind of took it from there. And not very serious on and off, and then I would kind of teach myself here and there where I could, because this was before the internet, so I couldn't go to YouTube and, like, just look at a special video, I didn't have right. much of you know, and there's only so much you want to learn from your mom at that point, that age, you know, so, yeah. and my brother had a bass that he never touched, and I went and told the Beatles, yeah, I was like, yeah, I can fix and then they're like, yeah, we'll try you out in a couple of weeks. I'm like, cool, cool. They're like, yeah, learn, you know, explore songs. And they gave me the demo. And I was like, well, I had it already done. I'll take it on the left, you know. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I, I, like, sat there with the bass and, like, learned how to play the song. And then I sat in front of my stereo and would play along the songs that I love and playing bass. And one of those bands was the Cure. I, oh, yeah. I played along mm-hmm. Nation Street and was like, cool. Now I'm legit. Uh, I'm a bass player because yeah. <laughs> I can play this riff, you know. <laughs> totally. um, and then you know, joining that band and Melody, you know, loving the Cure, I, I kind of got more close to like the deeper, older stuff, and you know, uh, that you know. So then around 17, it really they were a band pretty prominent in my life, even though I was like, you know, deep into the underground. And then it's funny because my fiance asked me the other day, she's like, you know, when do you feel like? really, really get into the cure. And, and, and I was like, well, I was younger, but then, like, I, not that I had a high ears from them, don't listen to them. Yeah. But honestly, I dove deeper later in life when, like, streaming and stuff started to come out. I got, I yeah. fell back in love, like, with my high school sweetheart. Because yeah. <laughs> now I had it all there. It wasn't the TV. You know, because I remember, like, I had a lot of cure, like, group, like, not cure, like, 
the record mm-hmm. store, you know, here in Long Island, like really to date, like at one point they had tons of bootlegs. So I remember getting like um, a cure bootleg, which I then later, you know, go to find out was the truth. Because then it just it said um, I don't know what it even said. Uh, it was just a picture, but when there's a picture on the front, it's really like shitty photocopying. And then inside it had all of it, but then it said, and I realized the track listing was almost all this immigration song that it said <laughs> it was recorded in 91 at the stadium. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is, somebody got a hold of all the music from the board from that night and had put out a bootleg. And <laughs> yeah. then when I went side by side, like, the, the pictures of you was the same, you know, like later in life, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I'd say like once I finally really got up to streaming music and now everything was accessible and in my pocket, I kind of really still deeper over the last like, you know, five, six years in this, you know, now just like full reinvigoration and I was like, yeah, this is my, you know, this is, this is the band that you told me I've got to take away everything else from you musically. You only have one body of music, what it would be, yeah. it would be the cure. You same boat where just latched onto them super early and they were always kind of in there and during certain eras you know they'd kind of be hovering around almost like a little background angel or something you know and it's like yeah then, like, when a new album would come out you kind of read it into it yeah it. but then you know but like i said before streaming now that tv ends up in the back seat of your car you mm-hmm. have to stop short and see me split under the, the, your front seat and then, <laughs> you know and now you're like yeah, i thought i'd really like to listen yeah, it's a wild moose swing, but I have no fucking clue where it is, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you feel like there was any specific aspect that you incorporated into your own songs most from from The Cure? Was there one element? Um, I, I, I mean, I do think it's like, so heavily influenced my bass playing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't think I really tried to put any cure influence in my stuff until probably about just two years ago when I recorded uh, an EP called The Story there's one song on that that's super cure influence for sure right. and 
I think it's because it's one of those things. That it's the same reason why for years I didn't like doing cover songs. Mm-hmm. Because if I love something so much, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to bite it off or rip it off good. I'm not going to be able to do it justice. You right. know, like, and I'm always, yeah. I'm my worst clip. So, you know, people would always say to me, like, oh, you know this song? You know, I'm like, no, I don't learn those songs that love because I love them from the artist, you know? I mean, mm. now, you know, later in life, as you know, I'm a better guitar player and a better singer or just in a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm not touring a lot. Yeah. I'm a dad. I'm, you know, I'm working 45 hours a week of doing this, doing that. I do love sitting down now and, like, playing a song that I, I like and kind of sing that into a song. Yeah. But for years, I didn't touch that stuff. Really? You know, like, <laughs> I heard, like, uh, a buddy of mine did a Arlo uh, McKinley cover. And I was like, oh, I love that song. I actually kind of wanted to cover that. And I'm kind of jealous that he did that. And then I went and looked up the chords and I'm like, oh, shit, that's it. And then I'm like, just sitting on my back porch the other night, like, with the dog and, and, and the girl. And I'm like, playing it. I'm like, oh, this is nice. Now I get why people do. I, I wanted to play music to write when I was wrong. So I like got songwriting parts, songwriting, songwriting. You know, and I'm sure I had influences, but I didn't really try to channel anything. Even the ones that I really liked because I almost felt like I couldn't do it justice. Or I don't want people. To, I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm just going to start killing, and I'm like, I think I sound like shit. Really? You know, because that would be like, I'm <laughs> shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> that was me being my own worst enemy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I always put them on such a pedestal that it's like I wouldn't even. It's like, believe me, I would rip everything off if I thought I could pull it off too, you know. But it's yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, it's like I'll, I'll I'll stick with the lemonheads. I think that's more doable, you know. <laughs> well, luckily I can sing in Robert Smith, like my yeah. ears, like for what he is, which is good. Yeah, so it's that's like, awesome. You know, it was a great like sing along in the car or in the shower kind of thing. Uh, yeah. But I. <laughs> Yeah, I've given myself literally headaches like on road trips singing along to the cure where it's just way too high for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> but I'm like, belting <laughs> out mint cars. I'm thinking, I'm like, why is my head killing me? And I'll get to wherever yeah. I'm going. Does anyone have a cough drop? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's up there. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, I, I guess you could say he kept me in love at the music, but didn't necessarily like you know, uh, you know, tweak what I was writing for yeah. most of when I was growing up, you know, until I put that EP out, which, which was definitely, like, very influential. Right on. You know, I was listening to a lot of shit at the time. Yeah, I get that. And even, like, um, when arranging like home recordings and stuff, I feel like my bigger influence with him has always been more just the way the cure, like, layers things and stuff and just knowing, you know, how cool the cure does that with like just adding like some very subtle like keyboard part or something you know what i mean how that can be like such yeah, a huge yeah. like part as we'll hear in some of these entreat songs in particular you know or it's just like oh wow it's just like that one fucking note like or something you know to how yeah. it just fills I mean, up the I mean, space. The re- and the reverb and delay on vocals is something that definitely yeah. from them. and then i'm also not a very good lead guitar player but i feel confident playing certain cure leads so i'm like thank you for yeah being- exactly know what you mean (laughs) awesome um so yeah maybe we should uh shift gears then to the uh to the big 
celebration night at hand here with Entreat, the uh, live album. So, um, yeah, it, I, I went on the record on your show of saying it was my favorite live Cure album. And um, I don't know. You guys... Then you then the last time we recorded you like totally did, did backtracked I, did, on that. Did I say show? <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> Pretty sure you did. Nah, yeah, but very possible. It, you yeah. know, it's a tough one. It's almost an unfair one because it's all songs from one album. Yeah. You know. That's what But not all the songs. It has its place. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the deal is that it captures that moment, you know, perfectly. Like, which I I turned on show thinking that was more of like a best of, but really that is just kind of the same thing, but with some singles and captures the wish era perfectly. This definitely captures captures disintegration um, perfectly. Weird name right off the bat in Treat. You think they would find something that's more of like a direct lyrical reference to disintegration or something am i missing like a reference or something where's that come so, from like any specific song so the re yeah the reason being is actually um it's funny because i didn't know this until later but this was supposed to only be a promotional tool for yeah France. yeah so I think entreat being is a french word mm-hmm. so i think they did that because it was supposed to only be like a promotion in France. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So I guess that makes sense. But then, you know, once it started getting spread and they decided to release it, um, then I feel like they just kept the same names for continuity, I guess, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so that's yeah. weird too. And it wasn't until I dove into the fact that it was a, you know, like, I, I, I have a. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. uh, I, I have a boot i have a bootleg of it and it's called uh eucharist oh really so uh yeah i like that name better huh you know the body of christ is <laughs> yeah but it's called one of the songs i'm trying to remember what it was i have it downstairs but um oh, wow. i have a bootleg of it too and it also has some other songs from the you know that aren't on any of the versions of the but a lot of the same tracks as well. Cool. Like, I'm sure they recorded all three of those shows and then picked the tracks because I think it was like three, right? Yeah, yeah, second? three nights in Wembley. Uh, it was at the end of the European tour there, uh, July 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, 89. So before they came to the U.S. on that tour. Um, but yeah, it sounded like they were epic shows too. All of them were like, you know, 27 song sets, 35 song sets. So definitely a contender for the time machine show that you'd want to go back. Yeah. They're all like oh, yeah. so many good songs. In oh. the... well, I, it's funny because one of my time machine shows is always that I always say is Queen at Wembley. Like that DVD when I was in that show. Like, God, I yeah. so much growing up. That's uh-huh. like such an epic concert. You know, but, but you're right. This was probably another one from the ages at Wimbledon, you know? like Yeah, there was yeah. just so much cool stuff played along with every song from Disintegration was played all three nights, it sounds like. Probably most of that tour, yeah. too, really. So uh, that's just pretty... Yeah, I'm just curious why they needed, like, this type of promotional album for France. Like, yeah. I wonder, like, <laughs> were they expecting super low record sales in France or maybe, like... 
it didn't sell well in France at all, like, or maybe it came out in France later. Yeah. Like, I find that very weird. I was like, Because huh? it always seems like they do really yeah. well over there, so it was almost more just like an extra bonus awesome kind of thing, you know? You know, where it'd be yeah, like, yeah. fine, yeah. give it to them, they'll appreciate it kind of thing, but... um. Yeah. <laughs> and say, according to the charts, it was the number three French album in 1989. So yeah, so it did. Yeah, really. Well I don't really know because it was it was three in the UK also. So I mean, maybe it's a like. So they were done with the tour already. So it wasn't like a the Cure's coming to town, right? Um, you know, let's try to book up as much as we can because it yeah it sold yeah that's what I'm saying in France it sold over two hundred thousand copies yeah yeah and this was that's still so by the time time it came out it was like what I mean eventually March ninety one even but by the time it even came out it was like what ninety at least even over there I would assume so that's a good chunk of time afterwards um, yeah so, so and then and then you know I heard once that and then once they did put it out like kind of everywhere there was like a, a promotion where if you bought two cure back catalog yeah CDs, you got in treat you know like, <laughs> right. so, no i mean and here's the thing like we we come from a day and age where marketing is completely different now yeah you know so it's like you know I, i'm trying to think too you know you're talking time this is you know 90 you know the beginning of a new like full era of music and now it's you know i think they, cassettes are kind of being phased out, CDs are kind of in, but are they going to be too expensive? There's always that weird, like, technology shift, mm-hmm. you know, that, that fucks with the music industry. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I wonder yeah. if it's just one of those times. So it's like, they're like, let's try to put everything we can to try to maybe sell a lot of the, <laughs> the back catalog stuff that's sitting there, because now everything is going to be the, like, right. a new type of CD. I have one possible reason is that Mixed Up came out the year before and it performed pretty poorly and especially like the Never Enough uh, single also performed pretty poorly, especially in Europe um, compared to other stuff that they yeah. had done. Um, so like even the European charts has only made it to 36. Huh. Uh, so it so could have been like a boost pre wish, possibly. You know, so kind yeah. of remind everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're all like grasping for straws, you know, because it's it's like record sales are their jobs. Like yeah. it's not affecting the cure, you know. Like, yeah. but that's all their jobs. The A and R is all those, you know, promotional people at that time. Yeah. You know, if if, if it wasn't performing, you got your head chopped off, not the band. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, I like that Robert apparently intervened, though, once the whole uh, idea of, like, using it as a incentive for people to buy two back catalog things. That's when he intervened and was like, fuck this, let's just put it out. Um, so yeah. I don't think it ever would have gotten any kind of re- official release if it hadn't been for that. But even that, I think it was only, like, in the U.K. that it got released because it was always an import over here until it yeah, got reissued. Yeah, I think until, like, 2000. Yeah, yeah. it was a reissue. Because, yeah. yeah, I remember it was hard to get over here. Um, and Donald somehow got it at our local shop as an import, and I was all jealous of him. <laughs> and I was all like, oh, man, you got it. And then... But then I was all thrown off on it as we'll get into the specifics of what's on it because 
like the majority of it we already had anyway if you bought the cd singles which i had for all the yeah. disintegration ones so it was like right yeah, this yeah. Shit where i realized there was the same songs and i was like oh man i want to buy an import cd which is going to cost a fortune anyway for basically two songs <laughs> you know i was just torn i was like and, oh, wait, and, and did donald like it at the time because i know it's got oh yeah he loved all of it at the time yeah. <laughs> If you ask him now, he might have a different opinion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah but Everything but and, uh, fascination. From Street. listening to the past few episodes, I, I, I was saying, uh, I was saying, you know, when we first got on the call, I was like, man, I was like, me and Don, we would really get along, but we probably, like, by the end of the night, we'd be fist fighting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, not even like the normal where it's like I talk tons of shit about like Morrissey and the Smiths, and then uh, people that like Morrissey and Smith that also like the Cure, like yelling at me and fighting with me because like you're like you're killing you should i'm like no fuck you you know <laughs> totally doesn't fight the music having yeah nah, it gets pretty vicious but uh <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm glad i have editing control that's all that matters yeah so um but yeah it was tough because i was like you know do i buy this i just copied it off of it but i was like well it'll be enough to kind of tie me over over, I guess, but then the completest side of me is all like, well, I just want it for the collection, too, you know? And so, yeah, it was pretty... Yeah, pretty... see, that's the thing that's killing me, is I didn't start getting into collecting cure albums, especially vinyl and stuff, until right. a few years ago. So, yeah. but, it, but it's kind of cool, because like I said, younger, I couldn't really build my record collection when I was younger, because I wasn't really, I was, like, hiding a lot of the stuff that I was listening to. Right. And then by the time I was, like, a teenager and it's like she wasn't going to bother me about it anymore i didn't have money i was out of my house by 17 yeah in a van driving across the country touring so you know that was before cell phones i was saving all my money to buy like calling cards to be able to like, call people from payphone right. you know like and just you know and buy bass strings i mean bass strings cost a freaking fortune when they're 17 18 years old you yeah. know <laughs> so um you know now and it, it's funny because my son my son's 10 years old and we go to the record store like every Saturday morning. And, you know, I've been shopping there so much over the few years and they know what I buy. Now they like, they'll hook it up. If, if something sure comes in, they'll send me a message on like Instagram and tell uh, me, cool. do you want it? Do you yeah. Have it? Should I hold it? And I'm like, no, hold it. I'll be there Saturday. So he's like, he's like, you know, that he's like, you know, you're, you're buying like lots of records. Like, you don't have these already, you know? And I was like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you gotta understand, dad's now making enough money in his life where he can send it where he wants. When I'm dead, you can do what you want with it. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> <Just> leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the catch. And, uh, and they're pricier now, too. A lot of them, unfortunately. I wish I would have snagged yeah, more yeah. stuff back in the day. I definitely had a oh, few know, of the later right. stuff that I lucked out because I did kind of just buy it, you know, when it came out. But man yeah seeing like some of those old you know like some of the 12 inches or the seven inches even and stuff like that or the ones when you when you do find them now it's like oh that's so cool but it, it's it yeah, stings I mean, even I, more when it's just like two songs or something you know it's just like ah. yeah. <laughs> like that's like the um the seven inch that i chose the picture of robert smith for from my like robert smith tattoo uh-huh. is a seven inch i never even knew existed my tattoo artist actually found it. Oh, wow. Uh, my, <laughs> Chris Cooksey, um, 
he owns a tattoo shop here on Long Island called Three Kings, and he was like, because I was like, listen, I, I want to get Robert Smith's portrait. I don't know which one to get. Here's some I like. He's like, well, let me look at a bunch, because, you know, some are more tattooable than others, and, you know, like, if I want to make sure it's portrayed right. I, I really want to do this. Like, he was all excited. And he found the a link to that one on mm-hmm. eBay, and it's funny because he went and bought it because he wanted to have, like, the best art reference. And then <laughs> bought an That's original cool. Motley Crue Shadows the Devil 7-inch, and I sent him a picture of it. He was like, oh, my God, I need that for my collection. He was like, all right, I'll trade you the sure <laughs> the <laughs> one for the Motley Crue one when I'm doing your tattoo because you should own the 7-inch that you got the artwork from anyway. And I was like, all right, sounds good. Awesome. <laughs> so it's, like, it's just funny how some of my collection have come to me in, like, very strange ways, you know. Yeah. But that's, like, the fun part about it. You know? Totally. It it's makes like, it. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not hunting Pokemon. I'm hunting Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta catch them all. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It makes it more personal if you got a story to go with it and memory and stuff. That's even better, you know. Yeah, and Intrigue was also one that I had trouble getting, you know, even though oh, yeah. with the re-release in, in 2011, the one time I found it, I bought it, and it was beyond warped. Okay. And I had, to, I, like, I returned it, and the guy was like, well, we can't get this anymore, like, this is it. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And it, it was so weird, you couldn't get it. I was like, it's going to screw up my needle. It's like, <laughs> it's like insane. <laughs> but then I recently got it on Discord. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I traded a. Uh, I came across an extra copy of the, I think the self-titled at a record store, and I picked it up. And then somebody wanted to trade me that for Entreat, and I was just like, I that's fine because I don't like that's something I've been looking for for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I came across it. But yeah, it's really hard to find. So yeah, that's why I buy duplicates whenever I can come across them. Like, you know, even if it's like. You know, used but sealed, or used in really good condition. And I'm always like, you know, what, let me just grab it because it's gonna be there. Where it's gonna be really hard to find, and I can trade someone for something else that's hard to find. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the entreat you got, Antonio, that was warped. Was it the the entreat plus then? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, what was the deal with that? Uh, we, you got one of the warped ones. Yeah. So we were <laughs> talking about this because it seems like yeah, it's popped up all over that there's been some issues with that reissue. Um, yeah. And I was always trying to sort. And I, I tell you what, what, the one I, the one I got, one of the records is not perfect. Like there is a little bump to it. Uh huh. Yeah. For sure, this is the first time I've had. I mean, two records that are the same but different ones where there's been like issues with it so it must have been must have been the pressing plant so some mass yeah that's crazy yeah it from what i understand it's only u.s the u.s pressings Uh um that had the issue with it uh mine mine doesn't i i there's just let me correct that (laughs) there's a small like hiccup in one i forget which side it is but um, but it's not major, but I know some, some people yeah, were having issues with like, it's absolutely unplayable. Like yeah. there's, there's no way I can play this to something like where I had, where it's only like a slight, like warp on it. But there were more problems like with that. You, like if you close your eyes, you can hear that it was warped on yeah. the first one I got. You're like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. On the one record that's a little bit off, you don't hear it. Okay. I'm like, if I don't hear okay. it and it's not like super major, then I can look at that. 
Yeah. That's like the worst when you put on a record and you like you know there's something wrong, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, you're like there is there is so, like is it going too slow? Is it going too fast? What the hell is going on? And like, yeah, it can be super so, subtle. Yeah. You know what's funny too is is mine was sealed, completely sealed the original. Yeah. Yep. There actually looked like there was fingerprint smudges on hmm. on, on two of the records. Like <laughs> the record wasn't even like. Wow. Yeah, Ugh. but they played fine on the second one that I got, so I was like, I'm just going to deal with it. Okay. See, like, some kind of haze to it, you know? Right. And it's not like it was from moisture or anything, because the jacket was fine, everything else was cool, you know? But yeah. it's something weird, but it almost, almost adds to the allure, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. The huh. other issue with that record, with, with the repress, was that it was available online on the cure store a special like splatter version of it uh-huh but from my understanding it was like white but it had a splatter coming out of the center right i think it was yeah and they're very very hard to find and from my understanding and somebody can correct me if i'm wrong there wasn't like a limit or there was some kind of issue with the website where like uh... it didn't like a lot of people didn't get a chance to get one uh-huh. And like, no, like it didn't go to like, so you'll go on these cure sites that people that have collect the rec- collect records and they have like five of them or six of them. And I'm like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. I was just like, I just want one and you're, <laughs> you're hoarding like 20 of them. Like, I don't like, I, I collect like one of e- like if, like if, uh, like faith, I'll collect one of each like country that it was pressed in, but I won't keep like 40 copies of like the UK press or something like I just keep like one of each. So, but like there's these people out there and whatever, it's your own thing. But like they have like a, like a stockpile of these. And I'm like, there's other people out there in the world that kind of want their hands on these mm-hmm. like, yeah. that are, you know, <laughs> yeah, my duplicates are, are usually just different pressings. I try to have an original. I'd like to have an original yeah. of all of them. Any of them that are picture vinyl, and then I, I do like the 180 gram represses just for the you know the sound. Yeah, I wish they would do that with all of them. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. Those are you know kind of what what I go for, you know. And then just whatever I have, I'm like, even if I've never seen it, but I have those songs on another vinyl, I'm like, I'll take it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. This I have it on. You know, I also have it on TV. Yeah, that um, was well. Just, yeah, everybody just, pretty much got it on CD with that like with the, 2010. Yeah, the the reissue, which you know, which is cool. But I mean, we haven't talked about it yet. But we should probably talk about the the mixing between Entry and Entry Plus. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. he it, it, took it over. It's definitely different. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so Robert remixed the the plus, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was texting, Gavin and I were texting back and forth today about it. And like, I always thought that he would have been a fan of the original, uh, mixing of it. Uh, but it turns out he's a fan of like both, if not. Yeah. More, I mean, I, I uh, never, entry plus one. I never really heard like, my a, mind. like a big difference. I mean, I guess what I was going really? back to, to my formats. Yeah, I guess because I never really had Entreat on CD. I only had okay. a, a copy of Donald CD, and then I got it on vinyl. That's the one I have on vinyl was the, the yeah. regular Entreat with the green cover. 
Um, so okay, I d- so yeah, I have yeah. that, and then I just have Entreat Plus on the reissue disc. So I've never really like listened to them back to back or anything, but I've never re- thought I'd heard yeah. any issue in it. I was like, oh, so sounds fun. I did I did the CD of the original of the regular Entreat back to back with Entreat Plus on vinyl. Okay. Um, and and what did you come to? And even without the other songs. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's hard because you're talking the sound quality of vinyl versus the sound quality of yeah. So it's like it was it was kind of tough. I was like, damn, I wish I could like do both vinyls back to back or both CDs back to back. Yeah. Because then you also, if you go on like Spotify and you put in entry, you you don't get the same artwork, and you get the songs recorded from. Wembley, but it, it's weird because it has a picture of disintegration on it, <laughs> and it sounds different than all three. So, and then the other two. So I'm like, what is going on? Like, there are so many audio versions of this. And then, like, a lot of times when I didn't have it, you know, because there's no CD player in my car anymore, and you can't take a record into your car. Right. So, so a lot of times, like, if there's something that's not on Spotify, like some short like a live concert, I'll throw on YouTube while I'm driving, and I'll just found it. Even that. Oh, you got data like that? Damn. Uh. Yeah, I got that unlimited plan. <laughs> Damn, nice. <laughs> Humble brag over here. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't make calls until 7 p.m. Right. <laughs> um, well, call one minute. It's good to have to yeah. five on six there, so, right? <laughs> Yeah, I got to send you a page to call me because your long distance is free and mine isn't. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that I do like the mix better on the original. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it, it, so here's where here's where it balances out. The the vocals are actually better mixed on the original. Hmm. And I I think that's always the problem too when a vocalist goes in and mixes like when I mix my own stuff like yeah. and then I I'll go have someone listen to it. It's never what I. Like ever, yeah. So I think it's just you. You are always gonna stay so focused on that. But I feel like he's aware of that. So I feel like he was like, "Oh, let me focus on the music." And I think his vocals got a little lost in the mix. Yeah. Huh. Um, Makes but, sense. But the bass, but the bass and the drums sound really like really good on the vinyl. But there are parts where he's low. There are parts where the keyboard parts are really loud, and everything else drops lower. Yeah. There's just more of a balance on the original mix. Okay. Uh, that sounds a little bit more like you were at the concert. You know? Right. Yeah. I remember. So, like, here's my. Uh huh. Go ahead. No, I was I was gonna piggyback on that yeah. statement just because. The the thing with the Wembley recording is that, it sounds like an open air concert. Like if you're like if you're there, it sounds like an open air concert compared to like, if you saw the Cure in you know Madison Square Garden you know, where the sound is so loud and blistering that that's where Entry Plus is kind of manufacturing this, like, stadium sound compared to, like, where I feel like the original Entry is what you would hear at an open-air concert, like, where it's not as... It's not as loud and powerful, but it's got this... There's something about the Entry recording that's so intimate... And like in such a giant, uh, like stadium, 
that is so weird and so kind of different compared to like show or Paris where they or even like in orange and it's probably some of the production quality um but it just feels so much more intimate than than the other recordings and probably one of my favorite one of my reasons why it's my probably my favorite cure live album because it's so like there's everything like yeah the songs that are sped up yeah and you have robert's vocals kind of all over the place it's it's definitely not like a like the 40th anniversary yeah where everything's perfectly yeah yeah which which kind of bothers me about the whole where he remixed it where he's like it feels like he had to make it perfect when it was perfect (laughs) already yeah you know and like it's just like dude just release the extra songs and we're good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that—that—that's the issue. Is is him being the main songwriter and and vocals and guitar and all that? It's hard for him to detach himself from that. Yeah, yeah I understand that. Sound quality, instead of, you know, listenability of a fan. You know. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love production because uh, I also made sure I went and listened to the 40th anniversary concert. Um, you know, and that I have on CD because I bought that box set. I pre-ordered the box set, yeah. like the Blu-ray and everything. Um, so that one, I fucking love the sound quality on that. Yeah. I like, I it's it it's but you're right. It's like almost it's too perfect. You know the yeah the aren't perfect about entry make it so original. Like Robert yeah. Smith, pretty much like almost screaming. I mean, like, when have you ever heard him, like, scream and hold a note long other yeah. than on Intrigue? Yeah. Like, it's like... Ross Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that. No, I get what you're saying. No, I can... Yeah, I can... Yeah. He produced records for friends of mine, so I try to stay away from the... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I, I completely get what you're saying because that's the one thing... Cause I went back and I listened to entry plus today and I'm like, it sounds like I get what he's doing and I understand it. And like, and yeah, but like adding more to it is taking away from it. And it's, it's, you have like, I really want to hear the, the Australia shows. Like I want to hear them put like soundboard edit, whatever of those shows where they played it, and I want to compare it to, um, you know, uh, Entreat and Entreat Plus to see how it comes out, just because I think that's, like, the only time you're going to get those songs all together on yeah. one but That's such a huge album. difference in, in time. Yeah, that, that's what I did today. I, I yeah. To yeah. Australia, Entreat, and Entreat Plus. And, yeah. I mean, luckily it's easy for me to do that, A, because I love the band, and B, because the version is my favorite record of theirs. Right. Yeah, but and they all they all have their their good things about them, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I was I was saying too. After especially playing those back to back, like, um, <laughs> you know, here's where we go and say it. I know when I listen to the you know start hit cut episode. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> everybody <laughs> chooses, but I would have said um, the drums on the 40th anniversary blow away the drums on entry and, uh. and it, it's like i get it that he didn't write them but 
but he definitely, I think, played the songs better than, than Boris played the songs. Um, and that's it. And we're done for today. So. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah, I knew I was going to record, and I knew it would on the episode. Yeah, everybody was. No. I will. I will never speak ill of Jason other than the fact that I that he is and I and some people might take it the wrong way where I say he's like a robot but like I I think he can play like he's an amazing drummer and like he can play the shit out of all the Cure songs it's just I don't see him having the same type of like creative creative input that and that might be part of Robert but I don't think feel like he has the creative input that you know somebody like Boris or even Lowell had. Um, so that's like my only knock against him. But, but like, how much of their input was actually even in there? To be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's because hard to. I feel like I, I feel like not only was Robert like having his like hands on the literally on the board during a lot of those recordings, I feel like he was like straight on the mud foot. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like disintegration was like. And, and Boris just in general, because um, he wrote Burn, too. Like, I mean, and it's it it's I feel like his. And we keep rehashing this, but I feel like his <laughs> input with the band is is just about perfect from you go from in between days to burn. So. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of the playing with with Boris, it's cool from a fan's perspective, too, of, like, seeing the songs a little faster, a little slower, like we talked about on show even and stuff. There was more of that, just them as a band at that point. Um, it's funny, when before we called up tonight, Antonio and I were talking about how, like, you wonder, though, like, when Boris did start playing, like, Disintegration fast as shit on this one. <laughs> it's like, was that intentional though? I mean, maybe he was just like, "Blam, we're doing this." I wonder like, if Robert was turning around and giving him a high five. Yeah, like my head's gonna explode if I have to sing this yeah. fast. But or maybe they were yeah. just like had been doing it like that, you know, for that you know round, and he was into it. He's like, "Do it faster, do it." I mean, who knows? They're all so good that it could be like something they can yeah totally dial in whenever well, they want. That's that's also the really cool thing about Entreat is that you got to figure, like, they recorded the record, then went on tour. Yeah. So there's lots of different stuff from the way they play these songs now to uh-huh. how it was played here. Like, I mean, even the uh, even some of the guitar leads yeah. aren't even on the recording. Yeah. Like, the live version, he's playing leads, guitar leads that aren't even on the recording, and then I don't think I've ever heard on like later on either yeah um so it's, it's pretty interesting it's and there's a couple speed. cool yeah roger does yeah, um Rob, Robert changes the way he sings some stuff there's some different leads on it and because because it makes my ear stand up because i'm like wait a minute yeah, it's a little different you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah anything slightly I, different at this point you're like yes this is great um that it just like it, i i think the fact that there were so many uh, tempo changes uh, compared to what they what you had already heard recorded mm-hmm. that it like it shows that this was not supposed to be a professional recording job like this wasn't show and this wasn't Paris yeah. like this was like we have this recording so let's put it out sort of thing yeah. and yeah, I absolutely yeah I, I guarantee when they when they floated the idea to like Robert he was like oh yeah I guess if you're just handing it out in like France you know what I mean? Like, right. But if you said, hey, yeah. the record we're going to put out, you'd be like, all right, we're going to practice this to a tempo. Let's play all the same songs back to back. How are the intros going to... 
Because mm-hmm. even like you, you're hearing like you know even his like little talking banter before stuff is very different. Like you don't really hear that stuff on like other live recordings right. as much. Yeah, not so clear anyway. No, yeah. yeah, this was just kind of like you caught him in between the songs saying like, hey, you guys haven't heard this one yet, you know, or like, or just like kind of a little more laid back, a little like, not silly, yeah. but you can tell he was just more in the moment yeah. of the live performance, not performing it for what was going to be recorded. Right. Yeah. yeah it's sense. very, like I said, like it's very intimate, like in that, in that aspect of like, it feels like it could have been recorded at like a, a like. 500 person venue Mm -hmm. like there's there's nothing there's nothing in there that leads me to believe that like it's filmed at wembley stadium Mm -hmm. um right which is really rad in because like i think like you said queen i think of like like the foo fighters and like all these other great you know great quote-unquote great bands or whatever it depends how you feel about them but like playing wembley stadium and it's like this giant thing it's like it's it's recorded it's shown around the world this gives off nothing of like we're the biggest fucking band in the world and we're playing at Wembley Stadium <laughs> and you have to see all this. It it's literally sounds like they played at like the electric factory in Philadelphia in front of a thousand people and that's it. You know? So Love that. yeah. Huh. It's definitely not professional in any any way and it's not like I mean as professional as a cure comes, but like Back right. then, like you said, like tempo changes. Like I could see Boris getting pissed at Robert and just being like, "Fuck this dude! I'm gonna play this faster." Yeah. And like, then they just roll with it. Right. And like, I fucking love. Like the first time I heard it, I was like, "Whoa! This is like, this is next level." Kind of taking this and to the point where I'm like, "I want to hear an acoustic version of this." Yeah. Like, take it to one side and let's take it to the other. Yeah, so, just totally. Yeah. yeah, turn it on its head. With that in mind, are there any ones on this, you guys, that you would take the live version from this over the actual recording, dare I say, from the greatest album ever recorded? <laughs> <laughs> Antonio's a guest. Uh, I think, honestly, Prayers for Rain. Yeah. Prayers yeah. for Rain on this, he, Robert, like, goes off. Totally. And it's like... Yep. You just feel the energy, you feel the angst, you feel the anger, the depression. It comes through, it cuts through like a, a fucking razor blade on here. Yeah. And it, mm-hmm. I love that song on the record, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but there's something extremely, extremely strong, I think, about the version of uh, Press from Rain on Entry that just to me talks to me yeah i 100% agree that was the one i jotted down yeah and that that note of course that you're mentioning before just holding out that note through the whole thing i don't know if he's ever topped that one i do i do love the picture of you on this also yeah robert sings it a little bit different a little bit yeah he scrambles it a little bit but yeah it's uh it's a shame it's so how do you feel about that uh uh gavin uh, yeah, I wish I wish he hadn't scrambled him a little bit. He kind of took the one line, but he caught himself. That was right. pretty awesome. Where he knew he was gonna, he, he sang the, I think it was the last line of the third verse from the first one. So something got a little yeah. off. But uh, there's been other live ones where he doesn't catch himself and he just like <laughs> has to repeat himself <laughs> oh, or something. Say, you know? I was like, yeah, I was gonna say that. Like he, he's kind of he's fumbling on that one a yeah. few times, but. 
It's hard to keep track. You recorded it over three nights. Couldn't you have got it right once? Yeah, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but the rest of it's so good. I guess he figured it was worth the it. Yeah, so, but yeah, it's those maybe, little maybe imperfections. Maybe it was just together. Maybe it was spliced together in the studio and he really just sang it like five different ways. Right. <laughs> if he was messing with it again, now he'd do that, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, um, that and the disintegration one, I wouldn't say it's better, but it's cool. Yeah, just to I would have, you yeah, know, it's like, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's definitely better. I just, I just think the first, like the first time I ever heard it that fast, yeah, it just kind of like, I was like, fuck, you know, it was just like the first time I heard Fascination Street. Yeah. I was just like, fuck, let's do this, you I was, know. <laughs> I was kind of more yeah. blown away by uh, Same Deep Water as you, maybe just because that was one of the ones we finally didn't get until the final reissue, you know, because they held yeah. out on those like four, I think it is, that you'd never heard until that reissue. And um, that one's just so fucking beautiful, slow, and like just, so much breath in that song you know and just hearing it live even more so you know like uh i mean i'm always floored by that song anyway but just hearing it live from the era like that you know and just yeah. those slow synth parts that are just like oh my god you could drive a truck through these spaces in this but it works perfectly you know it, it feels like yeah um and especially at the end when he's just kind of noodling around then and it's fading out it, it gets a very like faith vibe almost too which i never really associated before but i was like oh man this is almost going into like the song faith kind of territory at the end yeah. there where, but um yeah i wouldn't take it over the and i think that's what makes you know disintegration such a great record is that it's um if i think it was that it was the album that was like finally like this great mixing pot of the you know the faith pornography but your little bit of of the poppier stuff. Like yeah. you got a good. Tr- yeah. Kiss me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't too heavy on either side. Yeah. You know, because, you know, I mean, love song, you know, is such a radio catchy song yeah. for such a, you know, somber, like, like moody record. Right. Know? And then 311 went and had to destroy it. Right. You <laughs> <laughs> <He> wish. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, I, exactly what you're saying, where they, they showed you know, everything he learned about the pop stuff since pornography and then put it back into, you know, those dark era yeah. albums. It's genius, you know, or it's like, oh man, this is, it's like faith, but with, you know, recent knowledge of how to incorporate your pop hooks and stuff in there too. You know, it's just like, oh damn. It's, it's like they took everything good out of all their albums up to that point, minus the top and yeah. made their, their like masterpiece but i i had a quick question just because this is might be out of ignorance but is there are there any uh recordings of the original uh like plain song sound from that would have ended up on entry but since like before robert uh remastered it all do you know if they exist or not? I don't think so. I mean, there's probably a bootleg somewhere out there, but I mean, I can't imagine yeah. he would mess with it that much. He would, he didn't like add parts yeah, or anything. I, I the bootleg, so the bootleg that I have of it, it doesn't. Um, Plain song is on there, and I, you know I gotta play them back to back. Yeah, because I I would love to hear Plain song like without the remaster, like the original, 
original recording from that night that they have with the with with the original you know i just yeah i just never understood why they took all those songs out um but yeah it just man i think it was like like i love i love playing song in this but like i just with the intimacy aspect of like the other songs and like i i just kind of want to hear that just because when you when they mixed when he mixed it Simon's bass is completely changed from the original to like now where it was like it's so in your face in the original entry that like I was walking around the house today pretending that I was playing <laughs> bass just because I'm like it's so fucking badass on that album <laughs> that and then you hear entry plus and it's so toned down and like it's kind of like muffled in there that it doesn't stand out the way it does in the original one. And, like, I'm just wondering what those songs sounded like prior to Robert remixing them or or doing whatever he did to them. The original bass sounds definitely make me feel like I'm, like, back on stage. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like what I'm hearing from the monitor, and I'm like, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) Curious, you know, like, I wonder, like, people that you know, are a little, like, have never really played live music or, or don't go to come to concerts, probably don't hear that, you know, like, we do, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't play any instruments, so, like, I don't know what that sounds like, per se, <laughs> like, out of the monitor, but, like, I just know I've that, like... been up front at 20 of shows. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it sounds like I have my head, like, right next to the speaker, you know? So it's, like, it's it's just... I don't know why. I don't know. Like the synths aren't as strong on the original, which which is okay, you know. But like on the new, the 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 2010 edition, it's it's very. I felt like it was almost over the top loud for the for the synth the synth synth uh, synths. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just weird that like they put this out in 2010, uh-huh. and. They felt like they had to separate it and make it another reissue or another another release. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know. Well, it's, it's probably because so. other songs. Yeah, yeah. And like and you said, is, it was so... just me, like just being like, you fucked up on it. I mean, you did it, but you you fucked up on it one way or another, either through the pressing plant, which is not your fault, or the artwork, which I don't, which I think is like less than stellar. Um, and the fuck up with like the, with the, with the, with the mixing and then with the color vinyl, it's like, please don't do this again. Like you gotta, like you, you need to have somebody take over for you at this point, (laughs) instead of all these people that are doing it for you. That's just a pet peeve of mine. And like people have said it with like their merch and everything, Yeah. but it's, and I get it because you're 60, whatever, and you don't want to be dealing with this day to day bullshit, but like get it out of the hands of these like mass you know mass producing merch companies so that's just that's just my feeling <laughs> if, there is a, if there is a record label red tape reasoning for that because i wonder if you're using the originals that were inked in contract to do abc he might have been yeah. had to do a remix in order to get to re-put it out to get a certain percentage and not have to pay whoever that other 
promotional company. Was. True. Yeah. Maybe. Could've. The only thing I can think of is if you add those songs to it, doesn't it make it different. Like if you change and then you change the artwork, like it's. Yeah. Like knows? I I know like co- like somebody might have owned the whole like um. Maybe. Yeah. Of the show. You know, whoever, whatever company might have been hired to mix it and only take the audio or something like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, for instance, Wish is now, it it just got remixed to eventually get repressed on vinyl for the first time. It'll be a picture disc. Yeah. A picture disc. Now, I'm curious. I'm like, well, what what the hell is that going to sound like? I'm like, why couldn't you just, just repress it on picture disc i'm like yeah you know wish is one of the records i don't have yeah um it's definitely one nobody has it fine (laughs) yeah yeah who's got the double out there in the uh Uh, on the podcast that that's the one i don't see very many doubles of so no you don't yeah it's freaking hard so it's like with with this one i know it's it and i'm pretty sure robert remixed it um it's it's scared me it could be something like that or, you know, I think, I yeah. guess, realistically, too, is because we, like you said, it was such a shotgun kind of low-budget thing that they probably didn't make that big of a deal at the time. So then when the reissue came along, he was like, well, I could clean this up, you know, and it was probably well, just a matter yeah. of that. But that's the thing. Here's the movie, here's the movie example for that, okay? I'm like, is this, like, Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? Yeah. Okay. Like, because it, it was pretty much the same movie, they just had more money so they had right <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah it just and, and yeah but i mean you could make a case for either of those movies being better than the other but i don't think you can absolutely regardless of what gavin says here <laughs> um i don't think you can make a case i think for it that. sounds great so, so, i will have to do a back to back but i mean ultimately i feel like yeah it's not like it they he made it where it wasn't listenable. It just sounds different, if anything. I mean, I'm listening to Entreat yeah. Plus. It sounds great and fine to me. It, whether or not it sounds yeah. better, well, you know. And you know what? And there's also this the other, and this is the thing about live music. Um, I was talking to my buddy Chris about this. There was one time when we went to go see Social Distortion um, at a club here in Long Island. And this club had only been open for a few months now. Now, Chris and I have seen Social D like a million times. So we're in the back of the club. We're all happy. We're like, yeah, yeah. And we're like, finally, we look at each other probably about five or six songs in. And I'm like, he looks at me and goes, do they sound like shit? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they do. <laughs> Songs don't sound right. And they weren't playing them any different. It's the same Les Paul. It's the same three chords. Yeah. It's the same two. Yeah. But the room... I just, I don't think they really did it right. I think the mix was way off. The, where the mixing booth was high up in the club, but everybody is mainly on the bottom floor. And it was, it, you know, it was almost like I didn't, you know, I'm like, these are songs that I love that I sing along to all the time. And I was like, man, we just we had a hard time listening to it, you know? Right, yeah. I get how it's a, a tweak of, of audio, a tweak of mix and tone can almost turn things to too unlistenable. I mean, I don't think either one of these are unlistenable for me, but I definitely lean towards the Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. You know. I, it would have been rad if they said, uh, we're going to release 
live at Wembley Stadium 1989 and not call it entry and just like the Robert Smith right. remaster or the or something like that and just release it as that like nobody would complain like even if nobody had ever heard entry and this came out like nobody would complain but it's just the fact that you're comparing you're p- comparing the two uh which you kind of have to do but it's like that's what kind of like when i said it kind of scares me about the wish remix it, it, like if he's got his claws into that <laughs> i'm just wondering how long he's been sitting there with it and like how perfect he's got to make it. And there was some yeah. issue with, that's where Dave Allen got out of co-producing with him too, because there was some issues with the mixes on Wish that he wasn't happy with in the end. So oh, that, that does <laughs> make some Probably, And I tell you what, I, I, I wouldn't doubt if it's Robert Smith putting his foot down because he didn't like the mixing, and that's the reason why that hasn't been very Yeah. Fun. That's taken this long. I bet you he, he was like, nope, nope, nope. And then finally, like, Robert Clayton, he's like, only if I remake it. Yeah. But I also hope he doesn't do the same thing that they did on Entreat, and it just looks like they added the word plus, and then just put an Instagram filter on the photo. Yeah. Yeah, that would drive me fucking nuts. Like, that artwork for Entreat Plus is terrible. Like, I, I just... Have you, have you seen, I mean, I'm sure you have, the actual pictures from this photo shoot of yes. are really fucking cool photos. Yeah. And I don't know yeah, why used... to mess with them to make them look this way because the photos look really cool. I think I used the one of them for the, the disintegration shirt that I made, the long sleeve. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a great photo. It's like it's up there with one of my favorite uh, photo shoots of, of Robert along with, like, you know, the, of course, the Betty Boop ones and then, you know, the Boys Don't Cry and everything i think that's just up there with them um but yeah the the i don't just re-release the original artwork yeah and just this, if <laughs> if you have to do like some stupid font on the side that says plus yeah you know like it's it doesn't have to be perfect <laughs> like sure true uh, it's just it's infuriating <laughs> like when i saw it i was like ugh <laughs> Well, I guess as we uh, wind down in treat actual talk before I want to talk about your podcast a bit too, um, the idea of this question popped in my head and see where you guys stand. I don't even know where I stand on it really. I was still pondering this, but um, do you think a lot of people would cite this as the best live album because it's a great performance or is it because it's all disintegration and that's like so dear to all our hearts is that really what makes it great is the fact that they're just playing disintegration songs or do you think it really is the performance oh oh man that's uh <laughs> and from I the would, era i would yeah i i would say it's like a little bit of both just because uh yeah, it's it, but it's not all of dis- disintegration. That's the problem. Is that I wish it was the whole entire album, or at least most of it. Um, but it's it's missing key songs off of it. Not in treat plus. Consider it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so there you go. Very true. Very true. You got me there. Um. But yeah, I think that it's it's a little bit of both, um, and I I love the like the original artwork. I I think it's a great photo on the front of it, and it's just something about the whole rarity of it all yeah. and the intimacy that makes it such a special live album. 
So, but like the same thing that goes for uh, which which one's on the um, laser disc? Is that Show or Paris? Uh, show wasn't it? Um, in orange, VHS no. laser disc. Yeah, uh, but it, yeah, VHS yeah. for sure. I don't know if they put that on a laser disc. But... Yeah, it was on laser disc also. Okay. But like that is like that's a rare thing to find too, you know. But it it adds like this this value to it that's uh, that you don't get with you know concert or even uh, I don't know. I was gonna say in orange, but that one's another fucking one that needs to be reissued. Yeah, that's just the. Oh, yeah. oh. Historical gym. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add a like, uh, I'm gonna preface this a little differently. <laughs> so as far as Cure live albums that are eight songs or less, if you can really them, it's it's only eight songs. Right. So yeah, it's hard to put that up against something that might have more songs. You know, like right. even the like the live curation. You know, which is just a huge, but but again, that's you know, that's over twenty something songs spanning all the records. Right. So it's hard to compare that to eight songs, you know, recorded <laughs> like what thirty years ago. Yeah. So, but as far as the like smaller, like more like un- I'll say under ten song short live albums, yeah. I think this one's the best. Yeah. So you know, but if you're gonna if you're gonna go. And, and, and talk about like the best live stuff they've ever put out. And, you know, that's a different, whole different yeah. topic. But it, it, you know, as far as the, the the shows, the wish, the concert. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, show Paris concert right. things like that. I think this one does for me stands out. I think because like, like you said, it, it's intimate. The songs are also not 100 percent played the way that they are on the record. Yeah, which I like that. Yeah, me too. I I like give give me a little bit something different lives. Um, my best friend Scott, who was in a band called From Morning to Ashes, when they recorded one of their records uh, with, um, uh, I don't know, who's name? But, Ross Robinson. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Garth, Garth Richard. <laughs> he had a sign above when he walked into the studio that said, fuck lives. <laughs> and Scott was like, what's that all about? He was like, I don't want you guys to get caught up in when you're recording your record, not putting something good on it or to enhance it because you're like, well, we're not going to do it live. He was like, fuck live. This is the record. Right. Um, you know, and that was his whole thought process on, on producing and things like that. Now, I like more when I go see a band and they give me something different that I didn't necessarily hear on the record than when I hear a record that's got all this stuff on it and then I go see you and you're a four piece and there's you you know you have nothing from the other stuff on it. Yeah. For me personally. Yeah. I... You know, like sometimes it, you know, you go here man, I'm like, wait a minute. You know, you know, even when there's like only one person in the band sings, I'm like, Well on the record there's like five voices. Right. You know, like tons of other people do exactly what that you don't come on tour with. I'm like, at least have your merch guy with a microphone singing it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm I'm a sucker for like the you know change your melody, whisper a little something on the side, add a little quick lick because I'm I know that I listen to stuff so like intensely that I'm gonna catch on to it and I like that you're giving me like different flavors. Yeah. You know? it, it, it it's like you know I'm not gonna drink the same beer every night. 
you know, mm-hmm. I'll keep it in the same veins, but I, I want a little something different. So you give me a little something different. Yeah, totally agree, man. Perfectly said. <laughs> it's those little, those little changes and imperfections even are what make it, you know, really cool. Because, yeah, like I said, yeah, Anniversary is yeah. great because it covers so much and does sum up the band in this great anniversary kind of way. But at the same time, yeah, this has like, this feels more like an actual show you, you would go to and and, and listen right. to. Yeah, it's yeah. so, like unfair to put that up against this. Yeah. It's, like, it's too totally different now. Yeah, it's too you know, much. Like, yeah. Racing a race car against, you know, my Honda. Yeah. And, <laughs> totally. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't want to get out of here without uh, asking about the podcast that you've started up, Antonio, of Fascination Street. And, um, yeah, how did it all get rolling? And uh, what was the uh, the thought pr- process of saying this needs to become a reality? <laughs> so I guess it was, you know, I've said this before, like on my podcast, mm-hmm. so those of you that listen to Paul, sorry if I'm repeating <laughs> my story. But, um, uh, my buddy Sam is the host of a podcast um, here, you know, on the line it's based about music and everything else called Red River Podcast. Um, it's, you know, it started out as a bunch of guys talking just movies, horror movies and stuff and music and everything. And they decided, like their girlfriends and wives used to say, you guys should just record these conversations because people would want to listen to them. Right. So they had different <laughs> guests on here or there. And they were doing the best, song, uh, best songs and movies of 1999. So they asked me to be on because there was a bunch of movies and, and records that are like, that I always talk about online that happened to have come out that year. So I did that podcast with them, and then I started listening to more podcasts after that, because I was like, oh, this is cool, I like this, this is, you know, I've always been into, you know, at one point I did a online radio show, and I've always, you know, performed in front of people, DJed, and I felt like this was the fun conversation I would have in between bands. Yeah. These were the, the things I would talk about with my friends at bars. So, Sam and I had talked about doing an episode of, of his podcast about The Cure, because also Brian uh, Lyon, who was on uh, Fascination Street Podcast, he's a big Cure fan, and he's on that podcast. So, I had him on, and and him and I were saying we should do a Red River about it, but we were like, well, what would we do? Like, what era of the cure would we cover? Like, so then after some time, I, I texted Sam, and I was like, dude, I'm thinking about maybe I'll just turn this into a podcast and just have you guys on and then have other guests on, go through the whole discography, and, and really just break it down because you can't do this on an hour and a half episode yeah. of one podcast. It <laughs> yeah. won't work. You'll have to skip over so much. It'll just seem like, you know, you know, people will either want to hear more or they'll, you're going to lose some people because we're going to dive deep and they're just going to be like, well, I only know just like Kevin. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I have recording gear at home. I record stuff for music. I can figure out how to do this. Sam helped me out. He was on the first episode of the podcast, kind of got my feet wet. And, you know, it was perfect timing with COVID. I was, aside from work, I wasn't really going anywhere. I couldn't play shows. I couldn't go hang out at breweries. And I was like, all right, let me do this. And it was kind of scratching that itch for me of 
not only the social aspect of things, but just missing the the intimacy with music. If I couldn't have it with playing and seeing live music, I wanted to have those those awesome conversations that I have at shows yeah. with people. Yeah. In, in some way, shape, or form. And that's where yeah. Fascination Tree came about. And with Fascination Tree being the song that I like sat and listened to a million times playing my bass to, um, to try to learn how to play bass, I figured it was a good name for the podcast. And, you know, when I get through the whole cured discography, maybe I keep going, maybe I talk about other albums that I think are fascinating. It, it's something that worked. Yeah. And, you know, and then it turns out, after I release the podcast, there is another podcast called Fascination Street. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, womp, womp. But the cool thing is, is the person who does that podcast and I actually um, combined forces and went up to Cat out of the bag, and I was on his podcast. The episode's not out yet. Oh, but uh, he, <laughs> his awesome. is more just about talking to fascinating people. So there was no, like, beef about it. We both kind of got oh, okay. about That's it. That's good. And, uh, you, know, we've, you know, we've become, like, super friendly. So, you know, just like there is in music, there's enough room in this podcast world for yeah. for all of us. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. we're, you know, like, everybody's got something to say, and everybody's going to say it differently. Everyone's got different opinions, you know. I mean, it, that's, that's what makes it fun, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it you know it helps me in my drive to work. It helps me feel like I'm hanging out with friends. Like you know I was, I was mm-hmm. like pumped about today. I'm like oh cool, you know I, I get to do the podcast tonight. Like this is like, you know this is like the three of us you know going to a brewery and getting some beer. Yeah, and this is probably sure. the exact same stuff we talk about. So uh, yeah. podcasting has just been such a, a a good thing this year to really just kind of keep me you know entertained and and fun and hopefully entertaining people and doing things that I love talking about. Yeah. That's what I came from. Yeah. Yeah. I I miss that going, like that, you made a point that like talking at a show, like that's something that I miss a lot. Like I'm not real, I don't go out a lot, but like that feeling of like between songs, just turn, like turning your head and talking to your friend that you haven't seen in a couple of years and like talking over a band, like trying to hear each other or, (laughs) You know, just bullshit going out and going to get pizza between the shitty band or whatever. Like, yeah. That's something I miss. And when that certain part of the song that comes up that you know you both gonna sing along to, you kind of like look. Yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I miss all that, and like you're you're absolutely right when it comes to podcasting. That like it's it like I love that feeling of like just being able to talk to somebody like even at the, like we don't talk about the cure all the time when we get together. So it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I enjoy it. And that's, it's very cool that you're thinking of it that way. So it puts a new perspective on it. Cause yeah, that's how it always felt to me. I mean, I guess because my, yeah. really the first podcast I ever did was with like sitting around a table of like four of my friends, but but as I listened to other podcasts and, and, and started this one, I was like, this is exactly, that's the rapport that I wanted. That's the, that's the feel that I want. It's, you know, these are the things that you would, would, would happen on tour. Right. I, I yeah. just started touring before smartphones. After the show, you know, you'd never played with this band before. You're in a city you've never been in before. But now you're hanging out 
you know, at a Taco Bell parking lot at 2 o'clock in the morning with people you met seven hours prior <laughs> after you've both been sweating on stage, and you're, you're finding common ground on music, you know, yeah. because then, yeah. it, it, you know, it was like people would be like, oh, you're from Long Island? They'd be like, cool, like, do you know the guys in, in Digital Disorder? And I'd be like, yeah, actually, I do. And they're like, no way. And they're like, I remember the first time I heard that. And, da, da, da. and, and then, you know, I'd be, you know, in a certain state, and I'd be like, well, do you know this band? And, or have you heard of these guys? And you're connecting with strangers and finding this cool common ground. And it, you know, it was one of the things that, that, that was my favorite part about touring. Yes, I loved playing the actual shows, but the meeting the other people and finding these other people that have these same things all over mm-hmm. the world yeah. was so cool. I mean, now we we can do that with a push of a button on social media, and you know, but it it has lost some of its luster, and I think this is the closest thing to it. Yeah. It's it's missing yeah, the sweat in the Taco Bell parking lot, you know. You, you can't substitute that with social <laughs> media, you know. So that's what. Well, that's Taco Bell was open late. It was really cheap, and even the vegans could eat there. Yeah. So it was like it wasn't an yeah. Exactly. It's awesome. Hey, I was I was just talking about that on a podcast. The the woman I was talking to today about uh, Punkorama one and two, where I was just like, you go to a show and you had you had only a couple bucks left, so you buy the comp CD for, like, five, and then you have, like, $2 for Taco Bell. And then, you, you know. <laughs> You're good. <so>. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny, too, because I was, um, uh, my friend Joe, who's hopefully going to be on Fascination Street soon, he, huge short fan. Um, him and I connected right away when we both, like, realized that when we were working together. He actually won a contest when he was in high school, and he got to interview the cure on MTV. Oh wow! Um, That's he, awesome. Like so, he was like, he was telling me like all about that. But him and I like were, you know, it's just so funny. Like we gravitated towards each other naturally. You now when we had that, we we're like, oh my god, like <laughs> this is so cool. Like yeah. you like this band too. And then so after that, like it was like six months later, we're talking about you know, more about music, because we would always talk about stuff, and he was like, wait a minute, what bands are you in? So I'm kind of running down the list, he's like, my name was on a, a comp with your band, and I think in, like, 1998, like, and I was like, really? <laughs> or 96 or something. So literally a few days ago, he had texted me a picture of the comp. <laughs> um, and I was God. So it's just so funny, because comps was how you discovered other bands, and, you know, yeah. it's, and it, that recently had like kind of popped back into my life, and I was like, "Wow, I forgot how awesome those were." And I think that's like missing in in today's like you know youth and music or whatever. Yeah. Like, my son wanted for uh, for Christmas, he wanted a subscription to AP Magazine. Yeah. So my mom's like, "Oh, okay. yeah, subscriptions, whatever magazine you want." So I ordered it for him, and the first issue they threw in a compilation CD. I was like, "Ah." That's what got me every time. Yeah. You go to Warped Tour and hand out <laughs> gas comp and you discover five new bands. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> it was a cool way to, like, you know, get a lot of music and then, you know, in a cheap way and discover music without, you know, you didn't, what else did we have back then? Yeah. radio and you had comps. That was it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Totally. So yeah, do you have any other upcoming episodes you'd like to drop a teaser for, or what do you got on the horizons? 
Um, I got a couple things on the horizon. Again, it's it's just been locking the guests down. Yeah. Um, that's been the hardest part. Everybody's been so, like, especially now that the world is kind of opening up a little bit. Yeah. Now people are like more busy. I'm like, um, you know, I'm gonna have Eddie Reyes on, um, who's the other, one of the other original members of Taking Back Sunday with me. Eddie and I actually started the band. Uh, cool. Um, back in the day, he's a big Shure fan too. So, uh. Him and I have just been trying to lock things up, but him and uh, Fred Marciano, who has been thinking about coming later on, recently just did a podcast about one of the TBS records. So he's been doing that and just being a dad and doing all his stuff. So we're just trying to lock up, you know, times we can get together. And, yeah. And um, I have a couple other cool like concepts planned and off on different topics because I'm trying to stretch out, you know, different things to talk about, um, you know, got a buddy of mine that's a, that's a DJ and we're going to go over like, you know, like, uh, the perfect, like, sure party playlist, uh, like the, the, the cure songs that really make you want to dance, right you on. know, so I, I want to like, you know, dive into like different things and just fun areas, different people wow. from different aspects of life. Cool, man. Well, look forward to it. Um, and, uh, you can find that podcast, of course, everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on uh, all the all the platforms, and then uh, also on uh, YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Um, if you go to theantoniolongo.com, it kind of has links. It's just a page of links to everything, the podcast, okay. and my music, what's the ordinary life, the um, the clothing company that I started called Wolfwear. Oh, yeah. So it's just all my little different things are all kind of encompassing there you can get links to all that nice yeah we'll put a link awesome. to all that on our stuff for this episode too so awesome we need to work out a time to get together too yeah yeah absolutely i gotta yeah. have you on the show for sure yeah i i i'm free whenever man like it's just <laughs> well it, it's basically you i'm a stay-at-home dad so <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I did that for three years. Now my kids are older and need me less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. I, I do miss those days. And then uh, I'll also be uh, I'll be gracing North Carolina soon in July. Yeah. So, oh, nice. So, yeah, I'm not sure when this will be posting, probably before that. But uh, definitely look forward to hopefully crossing paths with you when you're down here in uh, Asheville. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have to have a beer when I'm there. That would be rad. So I'll even bring the kid <laughs> along if I need to. It's, uh, Asheville's very drunk. Asheville's very We're accepting that way. Yeah, there's plenty of places we could go. <laughs> Just let the kid play. Yeah, I feel great about breweries. I'm like, I can bring my kids and my dog. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> if you're not a if you're not a full blown alcoholic by the age of six in North Carolina, you're not. Yeah, you're exactly. Right. You gotta, <laughs> gotta hook them while they're young. Got a lot of good beer. Yeah, so yeah, plenty to do down here. So that'll be fun. Definitely uh, look forward to that. So yeah. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a blast. Yeah, thanks so much, man. And uh, hopefully we can keep crossing paths there and. Uh, Totally, totally recommend. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's what that's what's great too. It's like you know, it's like you know, through doing this, I'm like, you know, meeting other short fans and like connecting with people and you know, and uh, just building friendships and it's 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 awesome. It's, it's so much fun. Definitely. You know, it's like at 43, finding like new people you connect with don't even live 
like where you live is like is is pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. And that's one of the knocks of technology where I'm like I'm not gonna be that old man and be like it was better back in my day. You know I'm like <laughs> totally. oh, I'm fucking rat. I'm not gonna lie. It is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely have met more people through this podcast that I'd consider like a really good friend than all like the people that I've <laughs> met in the last five years outside <laughs> of like work or anything like that. You know it's just like oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but uh... yeah, like in comparison to the amount of people you still talk to that you went to high school. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and totally just daydream of that that wonderful Cure tour when they finally do make it out and uh, we could all cross up at a Cure show. Oh, that, that'll be amazing. So, I'm gonna... yeah, yeah. We'll just, we'll just like find a state like in between and we'll be like, all right, that's where we're all going. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. We'll we'll let you go there and uh, really appreciate it and. Uh, Hope you have a good rest of the week there. Look forward to more episodes. And, uh, of course, thank you, Chaz, for joining us. No problem. All right, guys. Thank you so much once again. Hopefully, uh, you know, soon we'll be talking about Did you hear the news about the... Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> hope that happens. The new album. <gasps> <laughs> but until then, we'll just say talk hard and take care out there. All right, I'll see you soon. All right, thanks. Bye bye. What a guy. Okay, thank you so much, Antonio, for being on. We hope to have you back soon and uh, definitely looking forward to catching that beer with you out on the town here in Asheville soon. Hope we can make that happen. And uh, all you guys out there, thank you so much for listening. Chaz for joining us. And um, yeah, be sure to subscribe on Apple and uh, the YouTube page so you don't miss any future Holy Hour episodes. We got some good ones on the horizon. Like I said, we got a good uh, conversation about bootlegs coming up soon with our buddy Scott. And uh, be sure to follow us on the Instagram at the Holy Hour Podcast so you can catch all the scoop on what's on the horizon. And uh, don't miss a beat. Facebook is where you want to also join that group or follow it so you can uh, chime in on your thoughts. We'll put a link to all of Antonio's projects there, and uh, you can check out his music and Fascination Street podcast. So don't don't miss out on those. And also, it's a great place to leave your opinions on Entreat. So uh, where do you land with all this remix mumbo-jumbo everyone's talking about? Since recording this, actually, I did listen to the old and the new back-to-back like we were talking about, the old CD singles and the remixed remastered version by robert smith and uh yeah i mean you could i still stick by the it sounds different but you know they both sound good you just turn the old one up a little bit more and uh the new one just sounds like everything that gets remastered where it's just cranked up in every direction so uh maybe a lot of it just depends on the system you're listening to and uh where you feel on that but i don't know i don't feel like anything got ruined by any means but uh love to hear what you think on it so let me know in that uh comment section email me directly if you'd rather talk that way or have a comment question or suggestion 
at gavinconnor at gmail.com. And of course, keep your eyes peeled on 17secondshirts.bigcartel.com so you can see the latest and greatest designs that Chaz has up for sale on pre-order. Um, or you can just follow him at 17 underscore seconds to also get the inside scoop of whatever shirts he's stewing up for you guys. And do check out his new podcast, X Communication Station, available everywhere that you get your podcasts. Leave him some feedback since he's a couple episodes in and uh, get it rolling so that thing can pop up. Rate it and review it on iTunes. Believe it or not, that stuff does help. So go check it out. And uh, we'll see you back here at the Holy Hour soon. Take it easy. Talk hard.